Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. There were many auto subs during game week 10, with the likes of Gabriel and Martin Odegaard unused. Yet it was Arsenal teammate Eddie Nketiah who took the glory, netting a hat-trick when there were also hauls for Moussa Diaby, Brian Mbrumo, and pick of the premiums, Erling Haaland. Up next, a game week 11, headlined by Newcastle v Arsenal and Spurs v Chelsea. Hello, this is the FPL podcast from Fantasy Football Community. I am Mark Jobling, and with me is Lewis, aka FPL Reactions. We, we're now joined on 627 points, Lewis, the two of us. Are, are you pleased with your game week 10? Oh, I didn't know that. So we're, what, completely drawn? Completely, yeah, yeah. Ooh, that is interesting, isn't it? Um, well, I, well, not really. You're not um, happy now you've heard that. <laughs> well, I don't think I was happy in, in general. I think because I was so close to the average, I think the average was 66 and I picked up 68 points. Um, yeah, I just feel like, you know, a couple of extra players that had that non-salad owners didn't have, like Trippier, he got zero points, which is, um, wasn't ideal. And it was against Wolves as well in a game that, you know, I thought he he would he would do something there, but he he wasn't quite himself, was he? Obviously, you're a Newcastle fan, and and you could have you could have um, seen that as well, right? Yeah, well, I didn't really have a huge amount of hope going into Wolves because they're sort of better than assumed, and and we saw them beat Man City the other week, and I feel there's a there's a general vibe with Newcastle that we seem a bit tired at the moment. Yeah, yeah, um, I mean. So he he picked up zero points. Had had Madison, uh, um, he got six points. I think a lot of people sold him, didn't they, to bring in Saka? Um, I had Son, who had ten points. Bowen blanked. Watkins blanked. Um, I also I was I was very split between the captaincy on Saka and Haaland. And I kind of mentioned in the pod last week that this is the type of game that Haaland would turn up in against Man United. You know, a game that he, that he would love to. Uh, play in and stuff and I just I went for Saka in the end and because of how bad the Sheffield United defence was and I suppose 
in a sense, it was it was a decent call originally because I mean, well, Arsenal battered them five 0 didn't they? In the end, it was just it was just that Saka wasn't that heavily involved in the in the goals. He did pick up an assist. It was I think it was a bit of a dodgy assist as well. So I'm not too sure whether I was lucky or unlucky in that game. But yeah, twelve points didn't feel great, especially when Salah. Um, was was um, was quiet for most of the game, wasn't he on the on the on the flank until he just randomly scored at the end of the game due to a goalkeeping error. I think it was uh, Matt Turner coming right out of his goal. Obviously, Harlan got sixteen points, so thirty-two for captain captainers. Um, I suppose the one kind of saving grace I did have this week was Darwin Nunes. Obviously, he had a he had a really good week. He um, it was, I think his returns came quite early as well, didn't they, to kind of settle the nerves. So I think when he when he picked up the goal and the assist quite early on, I was like, right, okay, I can kind of relax a little bit now. Um, yeah, 10 points, not too bad for for, for, for Darwin. I kind of was hoping um, for something from him because he's returned in the, in the last couple as well. Not much, but, but yeah, no, he's, he, he came through this week and really glad he did because... I, I could have been in some some serious trouble. So yeah, sixty eight points, and I don't think it was um, it was a massive drop. I think I dropped in rank slightly, um, but I'm still around seven hundred k. I think, although you will tell me if I'm wrong because you're the same. Uh, you're on the same point. Well, yes, we're on the same points, and I'm personally um, up from eight hundred and eighteen k to seven twenty four k. So a slight green arrow. So I, I don't know if. Um... I guess from that point we'll be separated on things like transfers made, won't we? Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, you'll be you'll be in the first half of the seven hundreds, I think. Um, yeah, I got seventy one points, um, and it was sort of well, it was it was thanks to Charlie Taylor. It was it was one of those oh, bloody Charlie Taylor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, because neither Gabriel nor Destiny or Doggy took part, so. Um, so in came the Burnley fullback from the bench with his goal and six points. I mean, I think he scored to put them one nil up. So at one point I was thinking, God, this would be a fifteen pointer, but it'll probably be, probably be rubbish anyway because Gabriel will inevitably come on off the bench. But um, it was six points and it came straight in. So I think it's probably one of the, the great FPL feelings when you're like cheap bench fodder defender auto subs with a goal um so yeah yeah so you know i mean I can... I, i'm not gonna lie um like i never used to check your team but since we've been doing these podcasts i kind of keeping it at one close at a close eye on your team lately and, and <laughs> he was he was one of the players i thought oh god he's gonna come off the bench isn't he and uh get you know get you ahead of me but um but yeah he did anyway but yeah fortunately we're at the same we're on the same amount of points, so it'll be interesting this week. Yeah, well, I mean, considering considering the look there and, and the fact that um, cause I was at Alton Towers, like the theme park on Sunday, and to me, mm, that the real nice. roller coaster was actually just checking the scores every few minutes. And, <laughs> and with Salah as captain, I was thinking, how on earth is this set of brilliant fixtures turning into a red arrow? Um, and then he scored. And Alvarez blank. So actually, I'm really not going to complain about that green at all because it was kind of bracing, bracing myself for much worse. So mm. three green arrows since the wild card. None of them 
major, but it's it's sort of slow progress. Uh, the foundations are there. Uh, Bayern, Saka, um, for Madison. They both got six points, so I guess it was, you know, doesn't really matter about that one. But it was, it's just captain in the wrong player yet again, like the, the wrong premium sort of between Allison mm. and Haaland. It's always been the wrong one, and I guess um, later on <laughs> uh, we'll be talking about which one we think's the right one this time. But uh, who knows what happens because we went for Salah. And the right answer mm. was Haaland, apparently. Oh, Salah's so annoying, isn't he? He's so annoying. He just keeps scoring, doesn't he? I mean, to be fair, um, since I since I wildcarded without Salah, I've not been hugely punished for, for it, which is one kind of positive, I suppose. But I also have to kind of take into account that I've not really gone anywhere either. You know, I've not really progressed. I've not gained rank without Salah. So... Yeah, it's a bit of an it's a bit of a weird situation to be in, um, where I just keep surviving every week. Yeah, it's it feels like the, the captaincy choices are, are kind of the main way to rise at the moment because yeah, there's so many players, so many players are hauling. Like yes, like your team could have certain players like you know Darwin and and Haaland and all that lot, but then if you didn't have Mbumo. He's hauled, Diaby's hauled. Like so many players are delivering right now that it's kind of hard to truly rise unless you get the captaincy rise. Yeah, I do think that Mbumo and Diaby, um, those both hauling did kind of cause me some issues last week. I think they were probably two of the biggest reasons why I didn't get a big, big green arrow um, last week because Mbumo just keeps, he just seemed to be hit in form again, doesn't he, after that kind of slump that he had? Yeah, and having started the season off with him and sort of having faith all along, like, it's sort of bittersweet watching him do it because it's like, oh, yeah, should have just stuck with him, really. Like, And even now I'm sort of looking at transfers this week because one of the things I was trying to look into is it, as a Neto owner, see Neto got injured against Newcastle. He's been pretty good actually. He's he's mm. since wildcarding him in in game week eight. He's got an assist in every match, and he's on his really good, doesn't he? Yeah, he's 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 really hitting it. I think is it seven or eight games in a row with with a with some sort of attack return. Ridiculous! It's it's something yeah. crazy like that. But then he's he's got injured. Um, and I know Adis Kaserovic has asked us on Twitter about best Neto replacements. And as, as a Neto owner myself, that 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 is a question that sort of is being asked because there's do you replace him with a, a cheap midfielder? And by cheap, I mean sort of up to six million pounds. So sort of mm. just short of the Mbumos and Matomas. Or, you know, if you had the luxury of having two transfers, would a cheap third forward be better? But I mean Maybe it's too late to get in catchier now, but there are so many sort of interesting cheap forwards. I, I don't know if you have an opinion on this. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of thinking that I want the five-man midfield back personally. Like I'm looking at my team, obviously, you know, I've got Watkins, Darwin and Haaland. Eventually, I might want to sell Nunes. And I think I would probably prefer a kind of budget midfielder um, rather than a budget striker. Um, you, like you kind of look at options like Huang. So Huang at 
I think he's what 5.5, 5.6 million. So he kind of falls in the, under that price bracket and kind of, uh, yeah, okay, we, we're not too sure what we're going to expect um, with Wolves now that Pedro now is injured. But I do think that Huang, he, he seems to be some kind of magnet to returns at the moment. You know, I think he's picked up four in his last six or, or something close to that. So, you know, although Nato. Um, is a is a big kind of influence on that team. I I do also think that Wal- that that Huang is in you know really really good form at the moment. So he, I do think he stands out as well. You know Sheffield United next as well, and you know we we know Sheffield United are awful, aren't they? So he is an option. You know you've also got the likes of Douglas Louise. You know he returned again last week, didn't he? So he came. He he seems to kind of be. Ticking away with returns, you know, not that kind of old-fashioned central midfielder, you know, where they can pick a return every so often. He does seem to be seems to be picking up returns most games as well. And, and Aston Villa in top form at the moment, aren't they? You know, he's on pans, he's on kind of other set pieces. So I, I really like that kind of cheap um, Adingra as well from from Brighton. You know, I, I really like the, the the really cheap midfield bracket at the moment. Um, at, just kind of last convinced by the forward so i'm not too sure if you've got any think, um options up front yeah yeah there's sort of i think i'm gonna have to look into sort of like long term what formation would prefer three five two or three four three mm. because in many ways three five two seems to be the formation of the season really and um, especially when you have cameron archer yeah um, up front as a, as a cheap third striker although he didn't he didn't start at Arsenal, but that's probably just because of the fixture, I think. I haven't seen any quotes on that. Um, so, yeah, ideally it would be a fifth midfielder, but just don't seem that fully convinced on any of them. And then it looks at some of the cheap forwards like Odson Edward. For some reason, I've got a, a massive... I'm a massive fan of Odson Edward for some reason. I, when you see those Crystal Palace fixtures that are coming up, they've got... Mm. Everton, Luton, Bournemouth in the next five, which is just insane, really. Um, but Palace are without Eze still, although I think he is back in training now. Eze and Elise are sort of back in mm. training. So if if we if we hear word that they they're going to be fast tracked in for Burnley at the weekend, that that would really really tempt me into going Edward because there's something about that. Like I prefer. A striker with those fixtures over the likes of Gordon and Adingra and stuff like that. You, you yeah, yeah. mentioned Huang, and yeah, like he has been doing fantastic. I don't know how sustainable his run is, but I've been thinking that for the past few weeks, and he and he, and he keeps scoring. He's lost his creative player. Part of the reason for getting that all was because of this Sheffield United match. So it was a real frustration um, to see him sort of miss out on it. So sideways move, sideways move to Huang. It could could be absolutely fine in fairness. And then Anthony Gordon, he's about to face four of the supposed big six over the, mm. the next half dozen, which which isn't great. I suppose the counter suppose to that. We also have to take into account um Cole Palmer as well, don't we? Because yeah, yeah, Chelsea are in a tough run of fixtures at the moment, but it's not gonna be long before they've got great fixtures again and they've got that long period of fixtures, haven't they between like game week 16 to 21 where they play like Sheffield United walls and Luton, I think it is and Fulham. So I think, yeah, 
I think he to be to have to have a midfielder in place to be able to move to Cole Palmer um could could be another another um factor to consider. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Even if I don't bring Palmer in right now, like if you sort of keep the structure there for like four or five weeks' time, absolutely. Because he's he started four in a row for Chelsea. And I think yeah, he has like the third best XGI over that time, which is superb for a player of that price. Um mm. is he fixture proof? Don't know. He hasn't scored an open play yet, but didn't he um without watching Chelsea's game at the weekend, he had a pretty good XGI. G number didn't he? He sounded quite unlucky. He was our best player um, against Brentford. To be honest, he was really unlucky to not return. Um, I think he, in the first half an hour, I think he might have created a big chance and four key passes. Um, so I think, yeah, he. You know, if, if there's a Chelsea player you're going to go in for at the moment, it's probably still Cole Palmer, and it might still be in game week 16. But we also have to factor in that. Um, Christopher Nkunku returns soon as well. Um, so he's going to be a, another potential um, midfield option to try and get in um, too. Um, but yeah, as for as for penalties, I imagine Cole Palmer will take them if still playing. If not, then probably Nkunku when he comes back. But yeah, something, something else to kind of... Yeah, I think a few more weeks just to see, just to double check that he's nailed on, especially when Nkunku's back, because that's that's an extra body to throw in. And even if Chelsea get another penalty soon and Palmer takes it again, I think that would sort of hammer that home. There was just, mm. when he had that discussion with Sterling and, and Enzo Fernandez, the, the initial thought was, is this going to be an Arsenal thing again, where they're rotating around? But yeah. I think if he gets a third in a row, that would probably answer the question, you would hope. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, and, and like you said, we've got plenty of time to kind of monitor Chelsea, haven't we? But yeah, like going back to kind of the structure of the squad, I do think that having five midfielders long term looks like kind of the the formation to to go to go to or go back to in my case because at the moment, yeah, I'm on three strikers, so I'll be looking to change that in the over the next um, coming weeks. Yeah, I think you might have just convinced me to, to sort of go for the three-five-two option because maybe the compromise for Edward is I'm going to regret saying this, but Jordan, are you for a few weeks to fill in the Palmer gap? Maybe. Um, yeah, I mean, he 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 is an interesting player, isn't he? He could be. I mean, he looks like one of the most influential players at the moment. Again, it's just it's just the um, they don't look great, do they? At the moment, Palace. No. It's it's hard to um, be convinced by them. Um, going forward, and it's purely I suppose like and if they get those two back yeah. in midfield, and Ayu seems to be starting, he's, I think he's in their first choice eleven anyway. So if um, yeah, Eze yeah. and Elise come back imminently, those fixtures, yeah, I'd, I'd probably happily pick him over over Gordon and Huang, and then maybe keep the gap until Palmer. Yeah, I mean, like, like you know, we we it's it's tough, isn't it, to change um a structure of a squad, um. So I think kind of keeping the structure of the five in midfield, it it just easy, isn't it? You know, it's it just seems easier, um, to be able to kind of flip between, because it does seem like there's going to be more midfield options, um, for the rest of the season than 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 forwards. And you've already mentioned a couple there. We've mentioned Palmer eventually in game week 16 so and even Douglas Louise at Aston Villa the rate he's going so there are some nice 
um, little options, little cheap options there to go to. Yeah, there is. And it, was, it wasn't just Edouard up front, to be fair. I mean, in Ketia, <laughs> Gabriel Jesus has kind of been ruled out for an annoying period of time, One way, especially with an international break coming up. It feels yeah. like yeah. If, if it was committed to a couple of months or so, you'd say, right, well, in Ketia, you know, they've got Burnley, Wolves and Luton in the next five, like absolutely him. And he, I think he has been starting with Jesus fairly Fairly often, but um, because... that's the issue, isn't it? It's just, it's just how long is he going to be out for, and not knowing really how long is he going to be out for? Is it points chasing because you know you just missed out on his on his hat trick? So don't like getting the ministry after that. Um, Calvert Lewin at Everton. I mean that that sounds dangerous because you know that's like I feel like every time I buy Reece, we buy Reece James, for example, you you know what's around the yeah. corner. And it's yeah. probably around the corner for DCL as well, right? He's got three goals in his last five, and he started four of them. So you know there is probably hope there from an Everton perspective that he's he's gonna finally have a a fit run in the team. And boy, do they need him! But uh, especially when Christmas comes along, are his minutes gonna be managed? So I don't think yeah. it's worth changing the structure of a team for, for Calvert Lewin. Um, even Evan yeah. Ferguson, because um, Danny Welbeck's out for a bit at Brighton. So is this finally the run in the team that Ferguson or Jao Pedro? Um, I think FPL managers, you know, it's almost been gagging for a Ferguson run, but the rotations always put people off. And he scored on mm. Sunday. Nice upcoming fixtures, but there'll always be that question. Even without I think that's you've nailed it there. I think with the with the with the cheaper forwards, you've pretty much nailed it. That there's kind of it kind of feels like there's a lot of ifs and buts, you know, in terms of minutes, in terms of you know, can they stay fit? Um, so it, it does. It, again, there is that risk factor as well, isn't there? We're going with a cheap, um, uh, a cheap forward. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Is that I think with I quite like the idea of. With sort of Salah, Son, Haaland, Watkins, Saka in place, I quite like the idea of having quite a, an exciting differential to sort of, um, you know, you've got the stability in place there and then just having differentials to fire you up. And that is the, the thinking behind some of these, but uh, there's sort of a reason why they're, they're not picked by many. And yeah, whether it's rotation, bad injury record, stuff like that. So... Um, you're probably right. Three five two might be, or sticking with three five two anyway. I don't. It's probably not worth changing for that. But there's interesting options in both positions. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Certainly something to think about. Also, just before we move on to uh, captaincy, just a reminder: that it's a Saturday deadline this week, eleven a.m. UK time, because uh, it was Friday last time. Um. So yeah, captaincy, you, I guess, as a non-Salah owner, it's probably straightforward for you, is it? Haaland with Bournemouth? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think with, with Bournemouth, they... See, Bournemouth were actually one of the worst defences in the league um, last season. And I think because the promoted teams have been so bad, um, they've, they've, they've kind of been the teams to target. When really, you know, when... 
with people like me and you who actually look at the 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 defensive stat, you know, the data and all all that sort of stuff. You probably noticed that Bournemouth are kind of falling off a cliff, aren't they, defensively at the moment? Absolutely, that was a huge win for them against Burnley to, t- to turn that around. Because um, mm. it, it already looks like it's sort of three from four to go down, possibly. So, yeah, the numbers aren't great. Yeah, I think they I think they could be the second worst for expected goals conceded now. Um, I think they're I think they're up there with some of the worst for you know things like big chances conceded, shots on target conceded, shots in the box conceded. So I think taking all of that into account and, and Haaland's kind of, you know, resurgence of form, because I think he scored five in his last three games in all competitions now. He's at, he's at the level that he was, you know, he, he's convincing again. He's he's kind of in that form where you kind of need to captain him, you know, every week, or at least it feels like that. So, I mean, I suppose with you, it's, it's different because you have the option of Salah, right? Yeah, there's sort of a couple of things to consider really in terms of Salah and Haaland individually and their opponents, you know, how, how their defensive stats underneath them. Like Haaland, Haaland does have more attacking returns than Salah and he beats him for shots, beats him for big chances mm. on target, things like that. But then Salah is ahead on actual points because I, I suppose he gets more points per goal plus clean sheet points. He has more penalty area touches, more chances created. So they both have sort of they both have advantages over each other. Yeah. I know that using on fantasy football scout using their rate my team tool and the captaincy poll on the home page, both of them are suggesting Haaland. Um but then Salah's only blanked once this season and Haaland's blanked three times. So it feels like Salah's been more reliable. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely been more consistent. I think for me, when I kind of made the decision to go without Salah, it was based on that he just wasn't convincing um, when I watched him. You know, he, the thing the thing with Salah at the moment, he has this kind of inevitability about him where he just like, even if he looks poor, or he doesn't look like he's involved at all, he's still managing to pick up points, um, which is a concern as a non-owner, but also, you know, great if you're an owner. So I think if, if you look at them both, they're both great options for the captaincy, they are. Um, but for me, if I even if I own both, I, I think I'd still be drawn drawn to Haaland, um, just based on the fact that he, he when when you watch Salah, he's not always that involved in the game. And yeah. I suppose you could say that about Haaland as well. Um, but you know that Haaland's like kind of on the front line, he's leading the attack. So eventually stuff's going to fall to him, whereas it might not not necessarily with Salah, um, especially with Darwin in form and ahead of him now as well. That's true, because even, even if it appears that Salah is quiet, he's he's on 76 box touches compared to Haaland's 59. So even even mm. when he's quiet, he's he's in the box more often. And sort of Liverpool as a team are sort of ahead of Man City on a few of the major things, to be honest. And there's also the factor that, you know, which player, like both of them are on penalties, which of them is more likely, likely to be taken off early if it's a comfortable win? 
and maybe Haaland is more likely to go off? I mean, yeah, potentially. I mean, Pep's had quite a few opportunities to rest him, really, though, hasn't he? You know, in like the Champions League. And he's, and he's kind of chose to rest Alvarez instead. Um, not too sure what that says or what that means, but I'm not entirely convinced. Because if you look at the Champions League for, for Manchester City now, they've, they've won three out of three. So it, it, it kind of feels, or, or I at least feel that for Pep, the Premier League's his priority because of, even in the weaker games, because of obviously, um, you know, the likes of Tottenham, and Arsenal, you know, they're actually competing with Manchester City at the moment, where the toughest team that Manchester City are going to face in the groups is like a Leipzig, and they've already comfortably beat them. So it's a tough one. I I, I do think that at the moment, Pap is probably going to prioritise the, the Premier League, um, even with weaker fixtures, just based on the fact that, you know, the other teams are doing so well as well. Yeah, that's a very fair point. Um the fact that because Man, Man City aren't aren't playing in the in the cup in midweek, so they've got mm. sort of they've got a week between the matches, and as you say, those those back to back defeats to Wolves and Arsenal have sort of made it quite an interesting competitive league. So yes, um, that probably is perhaps priority. Just for the record, who has the worst defense, Luton or Bournemouth? Well, Bournemouth. Well, they, Bournemouth have managed to keep a clean sheet whilst Luton haven't, but the Cherries mm. are worse for conceding attempts, shots on target, expected goals. Uh, Luton have allowed more big chances. Um, and as I say, they, they haven't actually clean sheeted yet. But uh, I think all in all, balancing it all out, Bournemouth probably have been having a worse time at the back. So... Altogether, yeah, it looks like Haaland probably gets the nod. But um, it's unlucky that both these great options are in the same week because I would happily yeah. take one. Uh, if Salah faced Luton next week, that would be great. But he doesn't. Yeah, I mean, not only Salah this week is going to be hard. Luton are, you know, not they're a newly promoted team. They're struggling. They're not great. Um, I'm hoping personally that Luton can kind of set up a low block and, and do it successfully. Um, yeah, I suppose like kids, fingers crossed time again, isn't it, with Salah for me? Certainly is. Um, but as we're seeing through um, managers elsewhere and, and yourself, really, there's more than one way to play the game. I was proofreading a... Milanista piece for our website earlier on and he was saying he sold Ollie Watkins just before that huge Brighton haul and his rank's still rising massively so there's there's a way you know any player right now you can still do brilliant without them like no player is indispensable we're seeing some teams without Haaland who did miss out on that haul at the weekend but the rest of the team is still at a great time so, uh, sort of not knowing, like knowing that nobody is indispensable, I guess that's kind of refreshing to know that because I feel like no decision is like, yeah, no player is mandatory and we can sort of have multiple routes to rises. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think with me, I, I kind of wanted, I wanted 
wanted the likes of um, Saka in midfield. I wanted to keep Madison. I wanted to keep Son, or at least for now, um, and, and have the money, the flexibility to upgrade whoever I want, when I want. And I just couldn't with Salah. I suppose non-Holland owners are exactly the same. We're in, in the same situation where, you know, you can have the budget to move to different, you know, if you fancied a Reese James, uh, just for as, for as an example, um, I'm not personally looking at that, but who knows? Um, but yeah, just an example. If you know, if you fancied a Reese James, you can upgrade a budget defender up to one. You know, if you fancied a Bruno or a Rashford, I can upgrade to one really quickly without kind of sacrificing someone that I really wanted to keep. So, yeah, I, I, I do feel like, although at the start of the season, budget wasn't a massive deal, was it? Um, it's kind of getting to the point where it could be soon, maybe. I know the budget players are performing the budget midfielders, but I also feel like there could be a point where, you know, we need the money. Um, I feel like, you know, Trippier, for example, um, you know, he's okay. He's got tough fixtures at the moment, but he's got very good ones soon. So I just feel like being able to keep him um, could prove really beneficial long-term. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you've got... Am I right in saying that you've got two free transfers this week? Yeah, so I've already used one, <laughs> which is uh, which is very unlike me to to go early mm. on um, on a player. So I so I used so I, I kind of freed up a bit of money. I sold Pedro Porro. There's a lot of big teams playing big teams this week, isn't there? You know, Arsenal, Newcastle, Chelsea, Spurs, and I didn't really like the look of my team. Um, but I also think Simicast could be a great, you know, a great cheap option. So I went for him early before his price rise. I, I knew he was rising the other night to 4.6. So I thought, I'm just going to go in and try and get him, um, you know, get back, get back some team value that I've lost over the last few weeks. So I've brought him in. Um, so he is one of my transfers. Um, I'm pretty sure that he's going to be my only transfer. As, as tempting as it is to kind of try and bring Matoma in um, for maybe Madison. I, I don't really want to lose Madison, as I mentioned before. So I, I feel like I'm going to need two transfers next week because I could potentially be looking at Darwin out to Archer and then upgrading uh, Chuck Wilmaker up to Matoma, potentially, and then have that five-man midfield back and have that flexibility long-term, you know, to move to these other options um, so for me, that's that's the plan um, long term, and that's the plan for this week. Yeah, Matoma. I feel quite lucky that Matoma did sort of blank against Fulham because uh, mm. the Brighton fixtures look so good going forward. But um, I wouldn't like to keep going about. And yeah, like for me, I've got a few options with with uh, with the two free transfers and Neto's injury. One of them is. As mentioned, just replacing him for another cheap midfielder. So mm. either Ayu or Gordon or Huang Palmer in mind later on. Another option is to use the two transfers to go three four three. Edward not comfortable with sort of wasting a free transfer on sort of mm. downgrading a midfielder to Nakamba or um is that his name? Marvelous Nakamba, yeah. Don't like doing that because free transfers are precious. So that that's the problem with that one. The third option is, you know, could a sacrifice be made with Jared Bowen? 
and sort of Ooh. yeah i don't know how it's 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 an outsider option could bowen and neto become diaby and matoma although traveling up on villa not a huge fan of that either yeah. uh, would have been good to have diaby at the weekend but beyond a few weeks time probably wouldn't like that so whether it's Diaby or another 6.5-ish million midfielder, that's a possible thought just just to make the five-man midfield really strong. But, mm. I mean, you're also a, a Bowen owner, so that's probably not a good idea, is it? He hasn't looked convincing, has he? And I can see why people are looking at Bowen and thinking, okay, you know, let's, let's potentially try and move him on, but you know, fixtures do bring good form, don't they? And and, and West Ham have got good fixtures. And I'm I, I just looking at the, some of the teams that they're playing. Nottingham Forest, it's not looking good defensively at the moment. Burnley, um, again, another team who are really struggling. Even Crystal Palace, you know, it's it's not they're not quite what they were defensively. And yeah, they've just got great fixtures long term. And okay, but maybe. He's he's not looked fantastic, and he got a lucky goal last week. But I just think the, the fixtures are, are, are too good. I, mean, I I would probably monitor Bowen over the next couple of games because you know we've also got the likes of um, Brentford who have good fixtures again soon, right? So you know there's a chance he could potentially become Mbumo again at some point. But yeah, for for me for now, I think I'd um, I'd rather keep looking at those fixtures. Yeah, they are good. Also, another thing Bowen has is, you know, on this weekend where we've seen sort of Odegaard unused, Gabriel unused, you know that Bowen is going to be sort of a starter and probably 90 minutes most of the time. And, and that that feels quite important these days. Yeah, 100%. You know, we we have to look at minutes as well, don't we? And I suppose what that is another um, really important thing is 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 we know that Bowen's going to play. I mean, he's he's so important for West Ham, isn't he? You know, when I suppose when you look at the likes of Matoma, who who obviously has European football um, every so often, you know, there's always a risk that he could potentially. You kind of get that with Deserby, don't you? That he's not bothered about rotating big players. Um, whereas with with Moyes, you kind of feel like he's going to play Bowen every single game. Yeah, completely. So I feel like, you know, rather than sacrifice Bowen, I feel like the desire to get Matoma might just end up with getting a Dingra as sort of a hopeful cover instead. So yeah, that my plan's probably to do mm. that, and you know maybe use the second free transfer on replacing new doggy with either Guehi. Or maybe Simicast, maybe. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, it's it's up in the air at the moment. In terms of because picking, just touching sorry. upon Liverpool again, obviously, is like I know their fixtures. I know their fixtures aren't great. You know, in the next three with Brantford and Man City, but I noticed that they are keeping clean sheets. They've kept two on the bounce now, haven't they? But they're also. I think they've just kind of snuck into the top six for expected goals conceded. Um, so it does seem like they're. <laughs> potentially solidifying at the back and it's, it's with Simicast it, it feels like a guaranteed clean sheet this week which is one of the reasons why I brought him in and also the fact that after Man City they have another um, three fixtures against Fulham, Sheffield United and Palace so 
yeah, I really like Simicast as an option. Yeah, he is. Just after two clean sheets, that's annoying. But uh, yeah, there's still there's still a chance that that would um, be the other the other transfer. In terms mm. of differentials, our our weekly picks for differentials. Uh, I mean, technically, last week yours yours beat mine, but they they both blanked. Really, you went with Martinelli. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Three three points, and I went with Solanke two points. So only the clean sheet point won it. <laughs> I, technically, it is a win for you. That's three nil, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not fun to lose that one. Neither of them did it, as you say. With Martinelli, with Saka, you know, Arsenal won five nil, so all the logic was was justified. Yeah. It was just yeah. bad luck. Who are you thinking this time? Have you have you picked one out? Yeah, so I'm going to go a little bit different. Um, and I suppose that's what they are—the differentials. But I do really like. Um, I do really like Craig Dawson this week. And I'll tell you why. Because yeah. obviously because they play they obviously play Sheffield United. Um we know Sheffield United are bad, so they can't um they're struggling defensively and offensively. You know that it's it's not looking good in terms of attack or defense. So and I do think one player who, who could benefit from that is, is Craig Dawson. Now obviously Okay, there's clean sheet potential there. Maybe Wolves are great with clean sheets, are they? And they haven't been this season. But I do think if they're going to keep a clean sheet, it's going to be against Sheffield United. I also looked into his data um, this week, or you know, random data, as we do, me and you, um, working the job we do. And I noticed that Sheffield United were the worst. Of course, they're going to be the worst because they're worst at everything. But I noticed they were the worst for headed attempts consistently and attempts from set plays conceded and we all know what Dawson's capable of I think he ranks joint sixth for total attempts on goal and joint sixth for attempts in the box amongst all defenders so he is a threat he's a threat from set pieces he's a, he's an aerial threat and I think he's got a good chance of of get, picking up some points um, this week and he's only 0.3% owned so Craig Dawson it is funny that you said Craig Dawson, though, because I he was going to be the third defender option mentioned there after after Gwehi and, mm. and Simicast because um you know the other week was sort of looking into it like Dougie was probably going to come out soon anyway and and sort of did look at Dawson purely on Wolves as fixtures they rotated quite well yeah defenders and yeah out of all of them Dawson um. As seen in, I vividly remember owning him for a, a West Ham headed goal from a corner once. So, ah, uh, yeah, I remember. a bit of loyalty there. Like, is he, he tends to get at least one or two every season? So, uh, so yeah, that completely makes sense. Totally get it. I think, I think for me, I'm gonna go Jeremy Doku. Ooh, against um against Bournemouth because. Ooh. He's he started all the matches except the tough trips to Arsenal and Man United. So I'm hoping there is a there is a slight risk there because he might not start. But um if he but if he does, you'd you'd expect something from him. Kind of surprised that it's only one goal, one assist in the Premier League, because it's felt like or certainly feels like to me that like he's been even better than that, even more productive. I, th- I think he got a couple of uh goal involvements in the Champions League, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, it was amazing in the Champions League. I think he came on late with Alvarez. I think he got a goal and an assist. 
and he got player of the match. Um, so, yeah, he was really effective. He's, yeah, he's been brilliant. I do think that's a nice differential, though, if he starts, that is. Well, yeah, that's it. It could look silly. It could look silly. Um, or it could be brilliant. Who knows? That's uh, the fun of this. So, yeah, I think that Champions League game sort of has affected the mindset of this guy's been really good, really exciting signing. So, yeah, I'm going to go with that as the pick. A couple of quick questions from the community before we go. FPL Ali asks, how do I get Haaland back into my team? after being, in his words, stupid enough to choose no Haaland. I mean, I'm not going to pass opinion on on the use of stupid there because, uh, you know, like, <laughs> there's ways to make it work. But basically, do you think those who have committed to not having Haaland, do you think this would just stick to that? Or do you think getting him back in is a priority? difficult one isn't it I think for those that chose to go without Haaland or Salah it was Salah in my case and I'm pretty adamant that I'm going to stay with the path and and just see where it leads and hope that all these other players that I have can can outscore um, Salah owners players but yeah I, I, I just think that I think there's so many performing there's so many budget performing players at the moment in the game isn't there you know, we 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 say budget, but you know, you like the Derby, Bumo, you know, all these other players who who are who are doing really well. I do think there's enough cheaper options to kind of go without, if that makes sense. You know, like not really have to go all out in terms of budget, having both Salah and Haaland. So, yeah, I would probably stay the course, and 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 unless you really needed. Um, Haaland back in I think as long as you've got a solid captaincy option right you know like Salah or or potentially even Son depending on the fixture I think as long as you've got a solid captaincy option I think you're probably fine so yeah I mean I would I would probably stick the course there's there's so many cheap well-performing options in the game at the moment and, and and yeah as long as you've got a good captaincy option then 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 stay with it also a guy called just call me a border has asked whether it's best to start Ariola away to Brentford or Raya away to Newcastle. Ooh, that is a tough one, isn't it? That is a really tough one. Um, I don't know. At the moment, West Ham don't look good. You know, they're conceding a lot of shots in the box, um, conceding a lot of um, attempts on goal in in general. Um, so I, I, I'd be tempted to to start Raya, um, knowing that Arsenal. Have got better a better defense, basically. Yeah, I actually kind of agree with that because I'm not just saying this because out saying this out of pessimism for own club, but Newcastle didn't score in either of the last two games against Arsenal. It was it was clean sheets both times. Um, so certainly in my in my mind, I'm entering this weekend with Gab with Gabriel and thinking, well, he's going to start because. Of course, they can do it again. They did it twice yeah. last year. They got Declan Rice this time, so yeah, that's very clean sheetable. And yeah, Arsenal just in general are a better defensive team than West Ham. Let's stick with that. Well, yeah. um, that's a good place to wrap things up. As always, it's been a pleasure to have you on this pod, Lewis. Thanks for your expertise, and please make sure to check out FF Community's website which embraces everything about the world of fantasy football, including games for the Premier League, Champions League, MLS, 
in several European competitions. Give us a follow on Twitter at FFcommunity underscore. And we hope you join us next time. Thanks for listening. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.